friends. Welcome to Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller, and I hope that you just feel God's presence today, whether you're at work or school, whether you're in your home or you're grocery shopping or you're in your car, that you just feel God with you where you are because he never leaves us. We are focusing on God's attributes and today's attribute that we are focusing on is that he is our hope. This world is full of troubles and hardship. It's easy for us to get discouraged, but we do have hope. Hope is holding onto or trusting in something that is yet to come. It's very future focused and it's having confidence in that. And we can put our hope in all kinds of different things. We can put our hope in our careers. We can put our hope in people. We can put our hope in our grades, in our own abilities. But often those things fail us because they are temporary. And so we need to put our hope in something that is going to last. So let's talk about that. But in Romans 8, starting in verse 22, this is definitely something that we can relate to living in this world that's very broken and it's easy to get discouraged. Romans 8, 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So even though life is full of hardship, we can have hope. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. And unfortunately, we often hope in things that are seen. And instead, we need to put our hope in things that are not seen. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. And then down in verse 16, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So we face hardships here in life, but when we put our hope in things that are seen and temporary, that also frustrates us and gets us discouraged. And so we need to put our hope in something that is invisible and eternal so that we won't be disappointed. And what is that hope? In Psalm 20, verse 7, it says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of our God. So we want to put our hope and trust in the Lord. In the Old Testament, chariots and horses were very important for battle, and it was a sign of power. And so we like to, today, our power comes in different forms. We don't usually find power in chariots and horses anymore. But we still need to not put hope in the things of this worldly life, but putting hope in the Lord who created life and gives us new life. Because God never leaves us without hope. We can be in really tough circumstances and situations, but God's presence is always with us and he is our hope. So he never leaves us without hope. And if we're not feeling his presence, well, first of all, feelings are fleeting. And so even if you're not feeling God's presence, that doesn't mean he's not there. He is there. But we also need to wait on the Lord and his timing. 
Maybe you're waiting on him to bring redemption into a situation in your life or restore something in your life that is broken and you're frustrated because he's not doing it right now and you're hoping in him, but he's not doing it. Don't get discouraged, my friend, because he will do it in his timing. He never leaves us. In Psalm 139, it talks about how he is with us when we get up and when we go down to bed, wherever we are, that he is with us. And he will do things in his own timing, so it's important for us to wait on the Lord. In Isaiah 40, starting in verse 28, it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When we are looking forward and putting our hope in the Lord, we will not grow weary. We will not grow faint. But He gives us strength. And even if it's not in our timing or in the way that we want it to be, we can still hope in the Lord. In Isaiah 61, this passage is all talking about the Messiah that is yet to come. And the Israelites probably had different ideas of what the Messiah would be like or what he would rescue them from. So this is a prophecy looking forward to their hope in the Messiah. So Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will will work for your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance, so that they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as a soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This prophecy was what the Israelites had their hope in. They were looking forward to what was yet to come. And in their minds, they probably had all kinds of different ideas of what that looked like. And then Jesus came, and some people missed it. They had their hope in a Messiah that looked different than what they were expecting. But when Jesus came on earth, I'm going to read from Luke 4, 
when he returned to Galilee after his time of temptation, he taught in the synagogues. He went to Nazareth, and he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath, as it was the custom. And starting in verse 17, it says, The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Friends, Jesus is our hope. He was the hope for the Israelites. Some of them missed it when he was here on earth, but he really is our only hope. Our frustrations in life are temporary. Some of the things that we put our hope in are also temporary. But we need to remember what really matters, and what really matters is our relationship with the Lord and being his and him being ours, him holding a special place in our heart and just giving our whole hearts to be devoted to him. In Hebrews 6, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters in the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, had entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We who have fled to take hold of this hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. God is not going to let us down. Even when we are waiting, He is not going to let us down. The important thing is for us to not get discouraged and lose hope. Life is full of hardships, but if we let that drown us and we lose hope, what do we have to look forward to? And the other issue is when we misplace our hope. When we put it in other things, that maybe they're good things. Maybe you're putting your hope in your family, your friends, your career. Maybe you're putting your hope in your abilities, your grades, what school you're going to get into. These aren't bad things, but if that's what you're putting your hope in, what's going to happen when that falls through? We want to put our hope in the Lord who does not fail us. He doesn't do things in our timing and maybe not the way that we want it to happen. Just like when Jesus came, not everybody accepted him because they were looking for someone else. They thought the Messiah would be different. Are you looking for something else? My friends, I promise you that God is not going to disappoint you. Putting our hope in him is greater than putting our hope in anything else. He will never leave us without hope. His presence is always with us, and He is our hope. In the Old Testament, and back in Genesis, Adam and Eve sinned, but there was still hope in the garden. When He cursed the serpent, He said, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock, 
more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That is their hope right there. He didn't leave them without hope. Even though they sinned and disobeyed against him, they clearly transgressed and crossed that line when he said, don't eat the fruit, and they disobeyed. But he gave them hope. Even in the curses, there's hope right there. The offspring of the woman will strike the head of the serpent. And this was pointing straight to Jesus. And it's all throughout the Old Testament. He meets Abram before he's named Abraham and tells him to go out from his land and he will make his name great and into a great nation and he will bless him. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And he fulfilled that through Jesus. Through the line of Abraham, through those people came Jesus and he brought the hope. It was in Exodus when the Israelites were in Egypt and they were enslaved. Yes, he delivered them out of that land, but he also gave them a covenant that they would be his people and he would be their God and that they needed to follow in his ways. But everything was pointing to Jesus. And even as Moses was on Mount Sinai, things weren't going the way that the Israelites wanted them to go. They were waiting and waiting and they were like, well, let's make a golden calf. This was Aaron did this actually, but he gathered the people and they got their gold together and then they put their hope in this golden calf because they couldn't wait any longer on the Lord. So they said, these are your gods who brought you out of Egypt. Their hope was misplaced very quickly because they lost hope in the Lord. What do you do when God is not doing things in your timing and the way that you want them to go? Do you put your hope in something else? I encourage you to keep waiting on the Lord. In Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14, it says, I am still confident of this. I will see goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. My friends, God never leaves us without hope because his presence always goes with us. And he is our only hope. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. But we can be confident that we will see the goodness of the Lord, even in the land of the living. So wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Thank you for joining me today for this episode of the Life is Hard, God is Good podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes as we talk about who God is. You can find us on Instagram at Life is Hard, God is Good podcast for more encouraging content to help you as you go through each week. May God bless you and keep you. Have a wonderful week.